Been trying to keep your head up, your head above the water. You've been looking for the sunlight, but it's only getting darker. I can see the fear in your eyes, doing all you can to survive. You've been trying to keep your head up, your head above the water. Good morning, Covenant Fellowship. We are so glad you're here with us this morning. It is Hymn Sunday, so we are actually going to need those lights on so people can see their hymn, their hymnal. So if you'll go ahead and turn to hymn number 56. Hymn number 56. To God be the glory, great things he has done, the love he, the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Higher and greater will be our 
this weekend. Amen? Amen. I hope we get something done this afternoon. I pray nobody had any severe damage from the storms. I know Don Daniels lost his fence, part of it, but y'all have some football field. That's like way up there in priority. Man, that's not good. Uh, but anyway, those uh, with us joining us online, we're honored to have you with us this morning. Uh, they should be on. We're going to take a quick second. Everybody remembers John and Renee Rowe here so well. Everybody turn around kind of look above the exit sign and say hi and <laughs> tell them good morning. And uh, so uh, glad to have they're always tuning in with us. But uh, we have several folks, so just keep our online folks in prayer let her, and pray for them. And uh, so uh, but if you have any questions, anything we can be uh, praying about Richard's online to moderate reach out to Richard he can be a blessing any questions about today's message uh, or if you just want to speak with me you can reach me at Todd at cfchurchtx.com and we just want to be a blessing to you uh, a couple of things real quick if you saw when you first came in the doors there's a little basket and you saw bags of these Easter eggs we're asking for donations so if you would if you're by the dollar store or by the store wherever you, your store is you go to uh, God puts it on your heart. Grab a bag of Easter eggs uh, for the Easter eggs coming up for our uh, kids' zone and just drop them in the uh, little wicker basket. I think I guess it's wicker. The little basket that's out there in the lobby. And uh, we need to start collecting those as soon as possible, okay? So uh, just keep your eye out for the Easter eggs. That'll be a blessing to kids' zone. Then back in our kids' zone, what we're calling lobby back here, on the table underneath the sign, you'll see information about camp. Parents, I encourage you, grandparents with kids, at least pick up a packet. It will give you detailed information about the camp and what's going on there, then the information for your child to be filled out. So please grab one of these just for right now, at least to get you some information. And if you have any more questions, uh, holler at Rhonda for now, and she can uh, get you directed through that. So you'll see it just like this. There's about four or five pages stapled together and uh, get us going about camp. The concerning camp, we have a camp a fundraiser car watch that will be March the 31st. It's still going to be here in the parking lot. So it's going to be here uh, 4 to 7 p.m. Uh, so we're looking to tap into the L3 resources that are driving by and backed up out in front of our church. So uh, if you want to be uh, a part of that, help out, get your car washed, make a donation, swing by the church. What day is the 31st? Friday. That'll be a Friday. So 4 to 7, so be praying over that, looking for that. we got some other fundraisers coming up that we're excited about. Uh, uh, Brother Brad Smith had a great idea that uh, he shared uh, that I thought was great. I'm looking forward to this, but a great way to, it's one thing to have fundraisers just to do fundraisers. We know what we're investing in, but we need to use every opportunity we can to invest in the children themselves and give them an opportunity to have, you know, what you say, skin in the game, 
But what I liked about this, not only does it put skin in the game, it gives them a sense of ownership and it builds uh, some character. And what we're going to do, and we'll have more information on this and the date coming up, we're going to have a spring cleaning day prior to camp and that uh, you will sign your child or grandchild up for. They will come up to the church and they will be assigned to another parent, one or two of your children, and they will be assigned to a room and that parent or that adult will help them and show them what goes into cleaning the church and what's all involved and will supervise them in that their own little project and then that parent that supervisor will donate to that kid or two kids or three kids that they have and so we get the fundraiser for the children but it's I think I like it because it it allows the children to have ownership in their church and uh, also just to learn a little bit had to take on that responsibility so I'm looking forward when that's going to be rolled out and we'll give you more information about that uh, I don't think is there anything else I can't think of anything journey groups are off to they're just going great I'm getting uh, tremendous feedback on uh, both sides the men and the women again it is not too late to get involved in that so uh, join us on Wednesdays at 7 for the actual Bible study if you can't get here at 6, we have the fellowship meal prior to. Love for you to be a part of. And uh, so those are still going on Wednesday. As far as our online uh, uh, sermon notes, uh, if you're still interested in that, uh, two ways to do it. You can just download Bible.com app. It's a free app. It's got a lot of resources for you on there that are uh, very helpful. But once you download that in the bottom corner, you see the little hamburger it's called. You click on that, events. Covenant Fellowship follows, you know, pops up, click on that, and you get all the notes and anything. You can add notes, save it, archive it, send it to friends, whatever you like. Uh, to do that, uh, what was up all ago was our church guest uh, password. And so you just, when you look for a Wi-Fi connection, look for Covenant underscore guest. Our passwords, our address with all caps, as far as the farm market and the West. So just kick, uh, key that in, you'll get access to the internet, and then uh, you can download what you need to. So um, do that, I encourage you, uh, those, uh, I've had several folks come back and said they appreciate it and liked it. So uh, if you have any questions about that, you can get with myself, get with Mark or Rhonda or Deborah, any, any of us could help you get that set up on your phone. Amen? All right, I think that's it. Gentlemen, if I can have you, it's my, I saw my grandkids come in. Where's our granddaughter at? Oh, man. I was going to show her off. Oh, well. Y'all don't get to see my granddaughter. Lord, we come to you this morning. We just want to thank you for this beautiful Sunday. Thank you for the Sunday school message. Help us to apply what we hear to our life. Pray for Todd as he gives us the message this morning. We pray for this offering that you will bless it for your, your work. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, if you'll go ahead and turn to hymn number 
right, as you make your way back to your seat, go ahead and turn to hymn number 572. to my sisters and myself we love that song on behalf of our mother's favorite song so we love to we love to sing that makes us think of her those who are in prayer we so myself and our family appreciate prayers for our uncle 
Uh, he did pass a couple of weeks ago, went to be with the Lord, and uh, went to be with my mother, his sister, and other sister and uncle and mom and dad that preceded him. But uh, we had the funeral last Thursday, and uh, it was a beautiful service. And uh, military out at uh, the uh, National Cemetery out in Arlington, and the ceremony folding of the flag, and very humble, and uh, it was a great celebration. So we thank you for the prayers, but he is home, and we rejoice for him. Amen? As we do all of our loved ones. All right, got a truth for us this morning. And you got to love that logo, do you not? Or a little pig. So we're going to, I'm not going to call anybody a pig this morning. Guys, I know we fit that mode a lot in our lives, but nobody's a pig, but we're going to learn how to think like a pig this morning. How about that? And uh, so I think it'll give us a little acronym, something uh, to uh, keep it to mind as we walk out of here this morning. But speaking of pigs, uh, this news reporter's passing by a farm and saw a pig that had a wooden leg. Oh, I caught his attention. He thought, well, that's newsworthy. I could, you know, get some attention with this. So he asked a farmer about his pig. He goes, oh, yeah, man, that's a special pig. He goes, the wooden leg, what happened? He says, well, there was a, our barn caught on fire with all of our animals in it, and we were sound asleep. We just, I woke up to this loud squeeching of our pig. I ran out there, and I was able to save all of our farm animals. He goes, oh, that's awesome. And so he got hurt in the fire. He goes, no, he, he was fine. He goes, well, why the wooden leg? He says, well, I was out in the woods and I came across a, a bear. And the bear was about to attack, attack me, and the pig was following me, ran up behind him, hit him in the rear end, scared the bear, and he ran away. He said, well, did the bear attack him? That's the law. He said, no, he didn't get a scratch on him. He goes, the wooden leg. He goes, well, he said, I was out on my farm tractor and fell off in the ditch. It rolled over and knocked myself out. The pig was able to run back and get my wife and to come give me help. He goes, why the wooden leg, though? He goes, well, the pig's so important to us and we love it so much, we couldn't kill him and eat him all at one time. <laughs> we was having to eat him one, a piece at a time as they were hungry anyway. All right, all right, we move on. Galatians chapter 3. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3. Now, a very familiar passage we, we have for us here in Galatians. And, and Paul's, you know, he's having to rebuke, reprove the Christians in Galatia here, what's taking place. Uh, you know, they, they, for their spiritual folly had now become not spiritual-based or spirit-based, but now became flesh-based, flesh-driven, works, uh, by allowing themselves to be drawn away to their faith and the gospel that saved them, and now being persuaded by the Pharisees to now take on and lean towards works. Now, here's the thing. The first time God opens our eyes to the gospel, it's powerful because it usually opens our eyes to who and what we are. We, 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 we receive it with a degree of regret and shamefulness in who and what we are. So when we hear the promise of the gospel and the love of Jesus for us, it captures our heart. And that's why usually you see an overflowing of emotions when it comes to the purity of the gospel and those that come to the saving grace of their knowledge. It moves them knowing what they are. But there's something that happens 
the longer we're Christians, though, we slowly and subtly begin to feel less needy for that that saved us. We, we start taking our eyes off the gospel itself, and we start looking back through our eyes of ourselves, And we kind of forget that time and place. Uh, Brother Brad and I, over the years, there, there's people that we've had the opportunity to lead to the Lord, and we see their lives go off track, and their decisions become so worldly and fleshly that when you start trying to bless them and counsel them and point them back to the gospel, there's some we come across, and maybe y'all as well, they get to the point they question their own salvation. I don't know if I really got saved then, Todd. I don't know. It's just, well, Because you can get that far away from the gospel that it blinds you to the very gospel that saved you. Well, this is what was starting to happen to the church of Galatia, and it caused Paul to write back. Now, here's the problem with this. When we take our eyes off the gospel and we take it off the redeeming work of Christ and what he did in our life, and we start focusing on ourselves again, what, what do we end up relying upon? Ourselves. We lost that dependence upon Christ that saved us, and hopefully we got some type of guidance or a little bit of discipleship to point us towards Christ to start walking in our faith and God's will for our lives, and, and we get sidetracked, we go back to ourselves, our eyes get off the gospel, gets back on ourselves, and then before we know it, we're back to relying on our self-worth, our self-wisdom, and our self-assurance, which with it comes all kinds of doubt, does it not? And the doubt, the loss of hope we have and come across in this world. Look what it says in Galatians 5.17. This isn't our key verse, but look what Paul goes on to say to the church. You did run well. You did, uh, did you, uh, excuse me, who did hinder you that should not obey, no, 17, I'm sorry. I just now realized what I was reading. I'm sorry to confuse you there. That was probably my fault. You got it? I got it right here. Yeah, let me go ahead and read here. So Galatians 5, verse 17. Uh, let me find it here. I said I have it. Here we go. Thank you. For the flesh lust, lust after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. Yeah, they're contrary, the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. So th this is a picture Paul's painting for the church here. He says, well, first of all, you have to separate. You have to suppress your old nature. Brother Brad gave that sermon years ago that stuck with a lot of us about the traveler. The scriptures talk about we have that old nature, that traveler that's always with us. But we got to suppress that and allow the Holy Spirit to flourish with inside of us. If not, the traveler, when the traveler moves back into our mind and heart, so to speak, he brings with him everything, does he not? Or she brings everything when they come back. So it's not that the, just the traveler comes back. It's kind of like the friends that you have to get out of your life when you maybe God delivers you from some type of addiction or maybe just bad choices. And then God removes you from those people, then all of a sudden you start allowing them to creep back into your life. Are they going to come back and honor your new walk and decisions? Or are they going to bring with them persuasions of what they want to get you back to? Yeah, so it's the same thing spiritually. When we don't separate ourselves from the world and the flesh, and focus our attention on God, then we're allowing that traveler 
to come back into our lives and rear its head. So Paul says they're contrary one to another. They can't be equal. One has to be suppressed, one has to flourish, or we're not going to accomplish God's will in our lives. Not long after embracing God's grace in the gospel, some Christians in Galatia began to build their confidence in themselves and their own works again. These false teachers have slipped in and were opposing the old laws on these new believers. And what it was doing, it, it was like it was pouring like a theological weed killer on the seed of the gospel. The gospel had been planted in them by Paul and the disciples. It sprung up. God gave the increase. They were saved. And now all of a sudden, as it just started to grow, these Pharisees just poured like that weed killer on it, theologically speaking, spiritually speaking. And the, and the church of Galatia was just dying right there. So this is what we're going to look at and how this applies to us. So if you'll stand with me this morning, I'll say a quick prayer, then we're going to read our key verses. Father, thank you for this morning. I just ask that you prepare our hearts for your truth. Guide us in your will. Help us to grow in your grace in Christ's name. Amen. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 here. So if you'll read with me aloud, it says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? For whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, and now ye made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be in vain? I love that closing statement by Paul. Anyway, thank you. You can be, be seated. Now, now, Paul in the church of Corinth made a similar, in a way, it's kind of a similar statement to the church of Corinth. So let me throw this verse in here. So look at 2 Corinthians 3, 5. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to, take, to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Now, the statement here at this point, these other teachers were coming in, false teachers again, and they were boasting about what they could do. Boasting about their, per se, resume and their knowledge. And, and so Paul says, look, <laughs> we don't have a resume. We're not going to write you a resume. You are our resume. Seeing what God has done through us, through the gospel, being planted in you, how you've grown in the knowledge of Christ through your salvation, the knowledge of being Christ-like. Paul says, you're our resume. I'm not going to write you a resume. Now, you can read, sometimes people take this out of context as if Paul's like boasting a little bit. Hey, we're not like them. We are who we are, blah, blah, blah. No, Paul's trying to say, look, first of all, there's no, we don't have a resume to write because it ain't about us. Our resume's in Jesus Christ. Paul's like saying, we gave you our resume. This is our resume. I don't need to accreditate, uh, accredit myself. No. My accreditation is in Christ and in the gospel. So he wasn't boasting in any way. Brother Stephen and I were talking about that yesterday, how you hear little words, and you hope they're just words that come out, that people don't mean them in that context. But uh, you hear things about my this, my church, my ministry, you know, and, and not judging those folks. I think sometimes it's just words that come out without 
thought, but we don't have a ministry. You know, Christ has a ministry in us. And, and so we've got to be careful with that and don't let that thinking permeate in our, in our mind. Here's the thing. No one can claim to be adequate without God's help. No one can be competent to carry out the responsibility of God's calling in his or her life. Nor can they find their own strength. Without the Holy Spirit's enabling, our natural talent can only carry us so far. As Christ's witnesses, we need to be strengthened in and only in the Holy Spirit. Now, you can do a lot in the flesh. Sadly, you can look amongst Christendom, and you can see a lot of stuff that is done in the flesh. Now, this is how it works, because you think, well, how would God bless it? You're kind of contradicting yourself. No, if you never accepted Christ as your Savior, but you lived your life verbatim to the principles and to the Christ-like character, would not your life be blessed? In the temporal, it would be. Or not God's promises, his promises? If you live, well, no, you got to be saved. No, the scriptures don't say that. Salvation is about your eternal destiny. How we live in the temporal, what favors we get from God, what blessings are bestowed upon us are based on how we live in Christ's likeness. I know individuals that are as, for the most part, morally as good as they can be. You can look at certain aspects of their lives and they make decisions on what are godly principles. And their lives are blessed. Their lives are successful. They're good. They're peace. They have, you know, they don't really have joy because it's a false joy, but they have peace. Why? Because they're living by the Word of God. So it can work, but it has a limit to it. That's dealing with your own life. When you start trying to fulfill the will of God in your life, you're only going to get so far in the flesh. Because, one, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what God's will is. So how are we going to accomplish that which we're not seeking out? God, I want to do your will. I'd love for you to, Todd. And I just take off. How do I know what God's will is? God's just going to let us go, and we're going to find ourselves not at the peace that God has for us. So back to the Galatians, to the church here. You would think that anyone who had tasted the real saved by grace gospel, which they clearly did through Paul and his disciples, would have spit out in seconds this false teaching. Why were they so susceptible to this teaching? I mean, it's not long. I can't think of the time frame off the top of my head. Should look at the history. This isn't long after Paul had left the church of Galatia that he's having to write back to them. So this isn't 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. The, the, this is a, a recent letter after Paul's departure from them and leaving them with the gospel. So how could they be so susceptible to go back to false teaching or be susceptible, not really go back to? Because however wrong the false teachers may have been, their message met a simple inclination in man's heart. Here's a problem that new Christians fell into Galatia. We are so quick as humans that we love to portray ourselves as the hero. We love to, in a lot of ways, we become so boastful, we become so, become so prideful and arrogant in what we think we know and what we're doing 
that we elevate ourselves. So when the Pharisees came along and started adding these, or, oh, you need, to, you need to do this, you need to do that. Oh, I can do this, I can do that. And they started elevating their own thoughts towards themselves under their own, again, simple inclination that we have in our spirit. It's a natural process. Okay, so real quick, I'm going to list four things. They should be on the screen for you. These, this isn't the, the meat of the message, but this helps us overcome. Because first thing we got to do, we got to make sure we get out of ourselves. For us to be all God wants us to be, all that Christ is leading us towards, we have to make sure we're humbly underneath the influence of Christ's will and walking, you know, spiritually in it. So here are some things that help us stay grounded. Maybe can help us prevent ourselves from being self-reliant and trying to find self-worth, trying to find self-strength, depending on self-wisdom. One, Jesus had to die horribly because we sin horribly. Go back to verse 1 of Galatians chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? For whose eyes Jesus Christ had been infinitely set forth, crucified among you. How can we look at the cross? How can we look at the nails, the wounds, and Jesus himself grasping for air to die the most horrible death you can die and believe that we could do anything to keep or help him save us? Why would Jesus go through so much affliction gasping in his last breath instead of saying to telestai as richard pointed out it is finished say todd i got as far as i could finish it for me that doesn't make sense christ didn't get so far and not complete the job but if we keep an eye on the cross we understood what christ gave up there in first corinthians 15 and the eternal aspects that he gave up for us to magnify the love he has for us. Why? He died a horrible death because we're horrible sinners. Two, we were converted through believing, not doing. What God has saved? Accepting the work of Christ on the cross? Did we have to get up and do anything? That moment you're sitting in a chair or on the phone, when you're sitting down and somebody leads you through the plan of salvation and leads you to the sinner's prayer and you pray and ask Christ to save you, are you laboring? No. Was your laboring up to that preparing you for the gospel? Did anybody say, okay, you need to join the church, go to church for six months, get involved in the ministry, Clean up your life, and when you accomplish that, come here, then I'll give you the gospel. Is that the way you receive the gospel? Ask Stephen his testimony. We were talking about it yesterday, Saturday at the church, working. When he got to the point that Christ, you know, he heard the gospel through TV, he heard a clear gospel on the TV, that he was in his addiction, and he got saved over the weekend. Glory to God. And this man got saved through the gospel. And then Monday morning came. He just went back to his life. Oh, I got to go back to work. He went back to work. He was back around the people that were bad influences. And he stayed an addict. 
And then when God, when the Holy Spirit led him to Brother Brad, and Brother Brad was able to guide him, direct him, and get him off his addiction, when he was coming to church for weeks, he was still an addict. God didn't say, go get your life clean, then come, and I'll make sure you get to hear the gospel. Galatians 3.3. 3. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Not by the works. Nothing we do. We can't prepare ourselves for the gospel, nor can we keep the gospel. It's only faith in Christ that we have the gospel. And we got to stay there. Number three, the Spirit carries us from the first steps of faith until our very last breath. I love this verse. I love this verse. It says again, you know, may no perfect by the flesh. No, we don't make perfect by the flesh. How do we account for then our personal growth? When we found patience, when we find, found self-control, when we found more joy and peace in the Lord. Where did that come from? Did we get saved? Also, we got this theological, spiritual wisdom. With salvation, were you just given hope that you never had to walk in? No. Were you given peace that you never had to walk in? No. Remember, that it starts at the cross. It starts at the cross, and after you get saved, what's the next thing you do? You take a step. And you're either going to step back into the world like, God bless, Stephen did for a little bit, or you're going to step towards Christ. And the more we walk towards Christ, then we start finding joy, peace, hope, strength. These things develop in us as God sanctifies us in the process. We just don't get salvation and get all these things heaped upon us. And it carries us our sanctification till the last breath we take and then we enter into glory our glorification number four our sacrifices and suffering for jesus have not been in vain but rather in victory i said well, i'll go to the closing statement in verse four have you suffered so many things in vain rhetorical question obviously paul's asking if it be yet in vain Paul says, no, it's not in vain. What is vain is what Solomon told us in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Oh, thank you, Mark. Solomon says, vanity of vanities. Say the preacher, talking about Solomon. All is vanities. All, what profit have a man of all his labor which he taketh underneath the sun? No, nobody was more blessed than Solomon. Nobody, he got to build the temple of God, the first temple of God that was erected. Had wealth, he had wisdom, lived his whole life. We've talked about this over and over. Only get to the end of his life and said it was all vanity. What he's talking about is everything he did in the flesh was vanity. Everything done in the Lord is to great gain. So it's not vanity. We don't suffer. We have promised victory. Promised victory in Christ. So, just some points that keep us focused on the cross. So, how do we change our hearts? How do we make sure we don't fall prey to what the Church of Galatians Christians did? Fall back into ourselves. 
fall back into self-reliance, self-wisdom, our own purpose, our own desires, these things that trip us up, that, that cause stumbling blocks in our lives for the Lord. These, this is what we have to overcome. We're our lives focused on and utilized for His glory and for His good. Remember, if you go back to Galatians 5.17, don't have to go there. I'll, I'll just read it again for you just to put it in place. Remember, it says the spirit and the flesh are contrary one to another. They don't coexist well. God and his old nature are, are not good running buddies. They can have fun, but they're not good running buddies. One of them's going to get the other one in trouble. No, we've got to separate the two. My running buddy has to be in Christ's likeness. My running buddy or my steps need to be guided and directed by the Lord, as it tells us in Psalms. The steps of a good man are what? Yeah, directed by the Lord. That's what I need to be running towards. That's what I need to be running in. So how do we do that? Then we've got to think like a pig. We've got to think like a pig. And hopefully this will help us this morning. Now, for today, listen to what it says in Matthew 13, 44, because Jesus paints this picture. He describes a picture of our faith being a, an investment, a requirement uh, involved. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, that which when a man hath found, he hideth it, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he has to buy the field. Now, there's somebody that understood right there. They knew what they had, did they not? He knew the value was so great that he hid it and went back and liquidated everything he had to make one investment in this field. So if we're going to avoid these traps that the Church of Galatia fell into, these Christians, and, and get outside of ourselves, we got to have a clear picture in what we're investing in. We can't, it can't be a broad scattershot. No, we need to stay focused on the field at hand, the field being our faith, and we walk in obedience to that, knowing that every treasure that we need is buried, is grounded in that field. And I'm going to do anything I have to do. I'm going to give up whatever I have to give up so I can obtain that field. I can walk in that faith and receive all that the Lord has for us. So with that in mind, let's think like a pig. Number one, we find in Ephesians 6, 13, we have to prepare ourselves in the Lord. We have to prepare ourselves in the Lord. Look what it says in Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take up ye the what? Ah, you may want to circle, highlight if you like writing in your Bible or notes in the sermon notes. The whole armor of God. Did Paul say pick out a piece that will help you? Pick out a piece you think you might need next week, next month, next year? No. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Withstand. Do you think Paul knows something's coming? <laughs> I mean, look at his life. Paul can speak very clearly on what's coming by way of walking in faith in God. So you can withstand the evil day in having done all to what? Stand. So Paul points out four or three clear things. The whole armor of God that you're able 
to withstand the evil days that come. Don't be, na- don't be spiritually naive. Don't even be worldly naive. I don't see why anything, nothing goes my way. This always happens to me. Why does this happen? And, and I'm sorry, so many times it, it, it's misquoted, or you're just not, kind of like Job's three friends that Richard pointed out in Sunday school. Well, it's because you're doing something wrong. Not necessarily. <laughs> Can you not come to church every Sunday, read your Bible, be in prayer, serve, use your gifts, and still have disruptions in life? Yes. Paul says it's going to happen. Find it all joy, my brother, when you fall into adverse temptations, knowing that it's the trying of your faith that worketh patience. It's coming. Don't get this preconceived false notion in your mind that if I do enough right for God, then my life's going to be perfect. I don't have any more struggles. That is false thinking. You're just setting yourself up for failure. But Paul says when it does come, though, here's the key. It's coming. Have a clear mind, clear understanding. But when we arm ourselves in the whole armor of God, when the evil day comes, whether it's from Satan's attack, it's from the world, or it's your own flesh, which is probably going to be the culprit. But no matter which of the three it comes from, you will be able to what? Stand. Too many Christians get knocked over, though, do they not? We don't have to get knocked over. We can stand if we prepare ourselves in the Lord. Too often we make decisions that causes us to come up short, spiritually speaking. Paul told us to put on the whole armor of God. Does anything less, does it not make us vulnerable to attack? Would an NFL player walk out on the football field without a helmet? No. Shoulder pads? No. Injury's going to come. Put on the whole armor of God. Because we all need strength to stand beyond our physical strength, our fleshly strength. We need spiritual strength. And it comes from the armor of God through his word. I remember twice in my life, my sisters know this, I've always just been a fish out of water. As a young child, uh, Judy and I were talking about this, coming back from our uncle's funeral. And uh, I mean, like four years old, I was jumping off diving boards and swimming and all that stuff. Uh, Became a lifeguard and, and, you know, I've had the opportunity to save three or four children or adults from actually drowning. But I know there was two scenarios that the uh, people were panicking, and I, you know, I heard the scream, the yell. Somebody yelled, "They're drowning!" And when I looked, I, seeing the situation, I thought that doesn't make sense. And I ran and jumped in the water, and the water is like four and a half, five feet. Only thing I had to do was stand them up. And they're like, "Oh, you saved my life!" I was like, "Well, it wasn't that heroic. I, <laughs> you just needed to stand up." But we need that sometimes as Christians. We panic. We frail, what's the word? Flail our arms and panic and scream and yell, I'm drowning. No, you're not drowning. You're drowning because you haven't armed yourself in the armor of God. With the armor of God, you can stand up. You can stand up. So it says Isaiah 43, verse 2. When thou hast passed through the waters, does it say if? No. When thou pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not, what? Overflow thee. 
I mean, think of it. Only the power of God through his word can tell us to put on the armor and yet don't have to fear drowning. But in the flesh, when we try to arm ourselves and our own self-reliance and dependence, you want to be jumping in the water then with that type of armor on? No. We're going to drown. We're going to sink. It's only in the armor of God are we able to prepare ourselves for the battle at hand. Are we able to prepare ourselves for what life brings us? That no matter how evil the days become, we will be able to stand. Holy Spirit just put this on my heart. Brother Brad and I were talking before church. Folks, this is what's coming. Don't let me sidetrack you too much. You need to understand there is coming a day very, very quickly. You're not going to be able to stand as a Christian without the armor of God. You are going to crumble. And I'm warning you as your pastor, I love you. We are going to crumble as Christians if we're not armoring ourselves in the armor of God. Brother Brad showed me a picture of the LGBT, all the acronyms, whatever it is. Woman has on a pink T-shirt in bold letters. It says, I don't care what the Bible says. Okay. Well, that may be fine now to wear that around. But the God I serve says one day every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. One of these days, the Bible is going to be the most important thing in that woman's life. Sadly, it's going to be too late if it ends up at the judgment seat. But here's the thing I told Brother Brad. I saw an article, too. We'll get into the ugly details of it. But there's a woman on the school board of a large ISD in California. And she's got little furry cat ears on her head at the school board meeting. And she throws a fit and argues and gets rather loud and wins her point saying that the school board does not need to hire this woman of Christian faith and beliefs because it will bring a disruption and chaos to the system. And they did not hire her for being a Christian. Now, we know if we flipped to that on the school board, and said, we can't hire her or him because they're not a Christian? We know what the outcome of that would have been, right? But now they're saying because they are Christian, it will be disruptive to our agenda, our processes. And they didn't hire her. Now, it's not really chasing rabbits, but I did take you on a rabbit trail but I can't think of a clearer picture. If you're trying, you or me are trying to live this life, and we're not preparing ourselves with the armor of God, we're spiritually rolling the dice. And we're being very foolish as Christians. Paul says, oh, what? Foolish Christians. You can say, it's Galatians, but they're believe Oh, foolish Christians. What are you allowing to bewitch you? We have to prepare ourselves, one. Number two, we have to invest ourselves in the Lord. Uh, <laughs> you got to catch this one. You got to catch all these. Catch this one. We have to invest ourselves in the Lord. Look with me in Isaiah 40, verse 31. We're just going to look at the first sentence. 
But they which, what? Wait upon the Lord shall, what? Ah, okay, so do we not have a promise to renew our strength in the Lord? This is what we're talking about. We need this strength, this strength that we can't manufacture in the flesh. So we need this abundance of strength that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit through God. And Brother Brad and I have pointed this out many times. This word, wait, is the Hebrew word koi, if I pronounce it right, Q-O-E-Y. It refers to a waiter or a waitress, meaning God's people who simply go about their business waiting on God, i.e. doing God's business, despite their troubles and trials in life, will learn to find their strength in God. But see, this, that's kind of like a, I don't know if the term oxymoron makes sense. Well, wait a second. I have all these needs. I have this. I have that. I have these problems. I've created this mess in my life. Why would I go out and serve God now? I don't have time. Well, maybe our life's a mess because at one point we stopped serving God. Point being, we learn to wait on God by waiting, hoy, serving, using our gifts. We learn to wait on God by waiting on God. The first step is the most important step. We'll never get anywhere without first starting, obviously. Don't let the idea of doing what appears to be hard to stand in the way of doing what is right. You can reference that in James 4.17 if you want to look that up later. Doing the right thing isn't always easy. If it was, more people would be doing it, would they not? And the world would be a lot better off. But is it not always, you know, I, we, Sam and I love, or at least I do, and I drag her to Colorado or any place there's mountains. I, I'm just, to me, when I'm in the mountains, I, it, to me it just screams the majesty of God, uh, you know, visually in my mind. I love the mountains. I love just to walk. And we went to Pikes Peak, and I just, you know, we were already up there, but I just wanted to stop and just walk, and I just walked out on the side of the mountain. Sam's like, if you fall, I ain't coming to get you. <laughs> well, if I fall, it'll kill me, and I get to go home. But I just love mountains because the, the views, though, you know, we've been to the mountains. You know, you see a view, you take a picture, you get in your car, you turn the corner, you stop again. Oh, God, this is even better. You know, so... It, my, my point is, the harder the trail, the more you climb, the higher you go, you know, does it not get more beautiful? Yeah, the outcome is more beautiful than where you started. It's the same thing in the will of God. When The more we traverse and walk in the paths that God sets for, it's like we're climbing to the highest peaks. We're climbing to the pinnacle, and we see what God reveals that we couldn't see otherwise. But we got to wait on the Lord. we got to do it through the Lord. I was talking to an individual this week. And, uh, you know, the, the transparency and the honesty and the humility, it, I, I just so appreciate about them. But when we were talking, the individual talked about that. It, it was a great. It was a, we, we talked for a long time, and really the gist of the, of the truth came out. This individual talked about how they got to a point in their lives that the one that they saw it as a crutch or the problem in their life, they, they were praying over it and, and, and seeking God, and they wanted the best. 
for this situation that was in their life. It kept on coming up. And that's good. And I know they were praying, and those were righteous. Those are good prayers. But when this individual we talked about, and we saw it play out, that when they got through play, uh, praying, then the very next thing they did, they took it back in their hands, and they started doing something with it, trying to manipulate it, trying to get it to what a desired end result, which was wholesome. The desired end was a good thing. You can, you can support it scripturally of what this individual wanted the end thing to be, but after they prayed, they were taking it back. And what was revealed is that how often we become our own stumbling block to God's blessing. God's like, hey, I'm all on board. I see your heart. I hear your heart. That's a good outcome. And that may be God's outcome, but it's going to be in God's timing, in God's way. And when we start trying to get involved in it, we become our own stumbling block to God's blessing. We got to invest in the Lord. We have to invest in the Lord. Don't be the cause of your very problems in your life by continually interrupting God's will and God's way and God's wisdom in your situation. Let God play it out. God's in control. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. Number three, we have to gather or we get to gather ourselves in the Lord. So once we learn to prepare ourselves daily, once we start investing ourselves, waiting in the Lord daily, in spite of our circumstances, get back to the spiritual things. Let me backtrack a little bit. Waiting does not mean, maybe I didn't do it just, it does not mean go to God and pray and just sit there till God answers your prayer. No, lift it up, bring it before the Lord, but once you put it in the Lord's hands, you say, you got that, Lord? I got it, Todd. All right, what do you want me to do for your glory? Ah, I want you to go serve here, serve there, do this. I want you to do my will. Then we walk away from what we put in God's hands, let God deal with that, and then we go minister and be the hands and feet of God to others. Christians get their lives in a mess, or they just go through storms and trials and burdens, things that just happen in life, as we said, and then they just stop spiritually, and they pray, which is so important, but that's all, that's all we do. We just pray, 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 pray. Well, keep on praying, but while you're praying, get busy on the Lord's work. Wait on the Lord by waiting in the Lord. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Get back to ministry in God. And let God minister to your needs. Well, who's going to minister to me if I'm ministering to somebody else? Uh, uh, God? Let God minister to you and let God use you to minister to somebody else. And we're going to come out a whole lot better making that type of investment. Maybe that helped clarify that. Number three, last one, doing so, preparing ourselves in the Lord, investing in the Lord, we get the promise to gather in the Lord. Look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. And the Lord did what? Woo, recompense thy work. And a what? Full reward will be given thee of the Lord, the God of Israel. 
under whose wings thou art come to rest. See, when we get back to that waiting part, when we're waiting in the Lord, then what we're doing, we're putting ourselves underneath the wings of the Lord. And He's sheltering us. He's guiding us. He's providing for us. And doing so, He will recompense our work. Our work that's in Him, not our work that's in the flesh. Not what we're trying to do by our own wisdom, our own thoughts, our own logic. No, do it God's way, and He'll recompense His work through us. It will strengthen us. Why Ruth? We touched on last Sunday, Sunday before, the story of Ruth. You know, the, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And after Naomi's husband and two sons died, then uh, Ophrah, or whatever her name was, and Naomi are left, and, and Naomi just wants to stay with Ruth. I mean, uh, I mean, Ruth wants to stay with Naomi. And we know Naomi changes her name to, to Mar, to bitterness, because of what had happened in her life. Oh, but Ruth didn't. At first, Naomi chose bitter. Ruth chose the better. Naomi gave up hope. Ruth kept pushing forward. Naomi believed her life was over. Ruth trusted God still had a plan beyond what she could understand. We'll all face storms in life. We may be the, in a Naomi situation. We may be in an Esther situation for such a time as this. Esther minding her own business and, and gets, you know, taken by the king to be her queen because of her beauty. She had no desire. It wasn't what she wanted. But yet Esther stayed faithful to the Lord. And God could say, for such a time as this, that through your faithfulness, I can deliver my people. This is what Ruth was able to see. And because she stayed faithful in the Lord, then the recompense of her work brought forth blessings, and those blessings led to the lineage and the birth of our Lord and Savior. So we'll all face life storms. And yet in every storm, despite the momentary outcome, we all have to choose. Now, we have a choice, but we all must choose to be a Ruth. Looking towards the better, no matter what you see around you. Or if not, probably if we rely on our own self-wisdom, self-worth, self-reliance, we start losing focus on the cross and we start thinking about what we need to do and add to the process and the program that God has for us, we're going to find ourselves like Naomi, then bitter with life. Bitter that things aren't turning out the way we want them to turn out. But if we'd be honest and humble, we can probably see where our life is bitter. I could almost bet you that our hand is elbow deep in it, in those areas. It's so important for us to focus to be a Ruth. One, we need to be a Ruth to other believers. We need to be able to tell other believers, hey, it's not over. God's just not finished with your story yet. He's still writing your testimony. Stay in the faith. Keep on preparing yourself. Keep on investing in the Lord. Doing so, the recompense of your faith will be to your gain in God's glory.
But don't go in the spiritual towel because you're going to take over. You're going to rely upon your own resources. Bitterness is believing God got it wrong. You can't get around that. Spiritually speaking, if you're a Christian and you're bitter about some aspect of your life, really what you're saying subconsciously in your spirit, you're thinking and you're mad because God did not handle this right according to you. But faith is knowing better that God has a promise in it all, even though we can't see it. So as we head into this week, encourage you to continue to pray that the Lord will reveal a greater purpose in your life. That he'll start able to build a better strength that leads to a greater faith, i.e. better obedience to his will. And hold on to the motto, think of the pig. Prepare yourself daily in the armor of God. Invest yourself, wait in the Lord doing his will. And be patient. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean God's recompense isn't coming in your life. It's coming. It's coming to those that just remain a root. Don't get bitter. Keep on just holding on to looking forward to the better. Amen? So through preparing ourselves, investing in ourselves, then we'll be able to gather to ourselves the Lord's greater purpose in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, please. Father, we thank you again for today. Your endless blessings. Father, we're just so fleshly. We could point out the Christians of Galatia and how they could be so foolish in their faith so early in their walk. And yet some of us have been Christians for years, years upon years, and we're still susceptible to being a Galatian Christian, that we fall back into our own self and trying to define and find worth and goodness and hope and strength, these things that we need daily and yet, we're trying to do it in the flesh. We're trying to work those things out in our life. Those things only come through the power of your Spirit. Father, help us. Help us to stay focused on the cross, that what got us right is the only thing that keeps us right. It was the faith that we took that first step in you. No matter how many steps we take, the cross travels with us because you paid for us eternally. Father, help us to see the value of preparing ourselves, honor, armoring ourselves, knowing the evil days are coming. We see it in the news just this week. Father, those days are right around the corner for us. We have to be in your armor. And Father, we gotta learn that even though we pray as we should, that we've got to learn to let go, but to let go and let God, to make that phase, that phase really a statement really powerful, is once we let go, we got to invest in your work. we got to get busy doing your will in our lives. 
let you take care of our mess. And as we promise, as you promise, we see through Ruth, we got that recompense of our work coming by way of our faith that your goodness and your glory will come through it all. We thank you for this truth. The Lord leads you, the altar's open. Maybe a good time and humble ourselves and knowing where we've interfered in God's will, God's way, because we got ourselves involved. May we come to learn to think of the pig. It'll serve us much better. didn't take place until 1,600 years after Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve lived into their 900. You know that according to Scripture. Which means they had a lot of kids. In fact, the Hebrews, Hebrew tradition says they had 54 children. Well, you know Noah didn't have children until he was 500 years old. Here's the point to uh, compliment Brother Todd's for 1,600 years, people accumulated here on Earth. In fact, statisticians, statisticians tell us that by the time the flood hit, there were over 1 billion people on planet Earth. 1 billion. There's 8 billion right now. 1 billion people. And yet only 8 made it out. Now, don't think for a moment there weren't a ton of believers that died in the flood and went to heaven. Don't, don't think for a moment. But the majority of the believers looked at Noah and said, what a kook. Building a boat because a flood's coming. It had never rained for 1,600 years. Nobody saw any like, anything like that coming. Well, it's okay to be a kook. That's what they thought John the Baptist was. He was a kook. Deborah put it, okay? But he was also, according to Jesus, the greatest man ever born of women. Here's what you don't want to be. You don't want to be stupid. It's okay to be a kook as a Christian. You don't want to be stupid. You say, what do you mean? When Paul said, oh, foolish Galatians, that word foolish in the Greek literally means stupid. Oh, stupid Christians okay to be kooky stand with the truth not okay to be stupid amen so uh let, let's uh, pig it prepare invest and gather amen father thank you for the uh, truth this morning may we take it with us throughout the week may we stick with you no matter where the world's going or even other christians are going 
Help us to stick with the truth and with you. In Christ's name, amen.